Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome back to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today we have on Dana Katz, who is a friend of mine and... Um, colleague, co-worker at Evolution Healthcare and Fitness, where I met her in Portland, Oregon. She is the head coach and owner of a company called Ultra U that she started in 2012 as a way to incorporate geeking out on running data and her love of working with others. She combines over 10 years in teaching and corporate training with her own endurance experience to provide practical training plans for athletes of all levels. Her specialty is providing completely personalized plans that use data to ensure progress towards your goals. You can find her working, uh, working out on stairways, hills, hiking trails, bike paths, and lakesides in all types of weather. When she's not working out, she loves to travel, bake, and eat. Her personal accomplishments include running the Grand Canyon, rim to rim, to rim, finishing four 100-mile races, possibly more at this time, and surviving a run injury without killing anyone. Dana, that's quite the intro. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Super excited to chat with you. And, um, you know, as usual with all our guests, I love to get to know you through your bio. So that's a great, I think that really sums it up, you know, great way to get to get to know <laughs> yeah. what you're all about. Yeah. And if I'm right, is this your first po- podcast appearance? It is. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very surprised with all that you've um, accomplished in the running world, both personally and professionally, and how active you are in the community. Um, So I kind of wanted to start just by getting to know your background a little bit and how you got your start in running. Yeah, so I do not have a traditional background in running, like probably many of your guests. My first memory of running really is in like seventh grade, we, our family moved to this house and there was just a lot of open space. And I remember just having energy after school and going for trail runs that are probably, you know, a mile and a half or two miles. But to me, this seems like, you know, a really fun way to relieve stress. And I don't know, just get out extra energy Um, and sort of fast forward to college. I was running there just to keep fit and probably to, you know, not to offset the pizza or whatever. And then um, it sort of escalated from there. So it's been something I've been doing from since college, but never super seriously. I started triathlon and then I started ultra running in about 2008. Okay. Yeah. Quite the, quite the uh, journey into running. So take me back to those first days. Um, Did you immediately gravitate towards running when you were young or, you know, was it something that came natural, right? Because I think running an ultra can seem so daunting. And I remember as a kid thinking, like, how would I ever run 50 or 100 miles at once? I mean, I still think that because I'm not quite 
at your level there, but <laughs> uh, you know, how did you slowly navigate your way towards running these hundred mile races? Well, for sure, when I started, you know, in seventh grade, when I was just running out the door and doing whatever I was doing, I don't really think I knew anyone that ran. No one in my family did. It wasn't something I knew about. I don't think I knew that there was marathons or really races. I mean, I probably knew, you know, there's Olympics and people do that, but it just didn't really occur to me. I, I don't know. We just, I, sports weren't a big deal in our family. You know, we were always active, like hiking and biking, but you know, not there where there was no push to like, oh, you should do track or cross country in school. It just wasn't really uh, a thing. And so I don't think I was thinking like, oh, one day this will be something. It just was something I was doing. And then um, I sort of started meeting people in college who were athletes, which then I was like, oh, well, they work out a lot. I could do that too. And then yeah. it progressed from there. <laughs> yeah. Now, where did you go to college and kind of grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania and I went to college at the University of Massachusetts. In Amherst. Oh, and Amherst. Is that what you just said? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Our uh, co-host, who's actually not on this one, but Kelsey, uh, went to Amherst as well. So very cool. Small nice. world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was a soccer player back in the day. So she'll think that's, that's really awesome. cool. Yeah, I can definitely pick yeah, up on the accent. I have some East Coast, <laughs> or, yeah, East Coast roots, uh, Massachusetts nice. and family out in Pennsylvania. So, well, wow. Uh -huh really made awesome. it quite your way mm -hmm. to um, not just from, you know, the inklings of running to running ultras, but also going across the country. That's got to be a journey as well. Mm -hmm. And kind of, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to hear as well, kind of how you navigated your way um, through college, you know, what was that experience like for you running and maybe choosing not to run on a team? Um, and instead, you know, did you have a team of any kind or were you mostly running solo through that time? You know, it still never occurred to me that I was being an athlete, even though I was probably working out every day and that I could be someone who was thought of as an athlete. Like it just working out was kind of a thing you did to for me to get extra energy and just, I don't know, it seemed like yeah. something my body was into. And in college, actually, um, this is really nerd alert and also <laughs> dating me, but I did a lot of rollerblading. Oh my God, oh. I'm doing like that hands over my eyes. So at UMass, actually, one of the um, labs there was doing a lot of testing on rollerblades at the time when they were coming out, they were doing research on like our is rollerblading equivalent to running as far as cardiovascular um, efficiencies and, you know, building endurance and things like that. And so I spent a lot of time rollerblading, rollerblading with heart rate monitor on, rollerblading on this giant treadmill while dangling from the ceiling and things like that. And I was super into it. Um, but then that died and that's probably okay. <laughs> that's so cool. I could so see you in like roller derby. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that would be, that was amazing. I, that of course is not something I heard about till way later, but oh, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so, so in college, no, there was no team. I mean, there was, you know, researching, there was being part of research studies and just running on my own and doing goofy things like rollerblading, but no, no teams at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what did your life look like? We have a lot of uh, collegiate runners that listen. So it's always interesting. Like, what was your major? Did it relate at all to data? You kind of talk about being a data nerd. 
Oh, yeah, no. I mean, coaching for me is total career change. I studied forestry. Wow. And so science there, but, and that's what brought me to Oregon. But yeah, you know, I went to school sort of not knowing what I was going to do. And I picked the picked UMass because they had a lot of majors. So I figured, well, I won't have to switch schools, right? I'll, there'll be mm-hmm. something like out of these hundreds. And randomly, I took a forestry class just to satisfy, you know, the general science. And I got into that class and I was like, wait a minute, like homework is outside. Are you kidding me? Like, this is for me. And so it's interesting because, you know, now looking back, it's like all those, all these things have come together, but, um, you know, just being outside and in the woods was just so amazing to me. And the fact that that could be like part of your homework, I was like this, uh, sign me up. So, so that's, cool. that's where yeah. I went from that. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. So did you end up starting mm-hmm. off in forestry then in terms of like career or life outside of running? I did. I did. I moved out to Oregon after I graduated and I worked for the Forest Service for the Pacific Northwest Research Station doing forestry research data collection outside. And it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Was it pretty conducive to training as well? Is that where you kind of started with ultra running or... Um, oh know, no, no, still not there yet. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... a late bloomer. <laughs> I am a late yeah. bloomer as far as running. No. So it was terribly non-conducive. We would have long days in the woods hiking in gear and just being on our feet all day. And so you might be out for, you know, a 12 hour day hiking around oh. in the woods. So I wasn't, I wasn't really like, Ooh, anyone want to go for a run, you know, afterwards. Right. But ultra um, running, right? Time on, on your weekend. feet. Yeah. But I didn't even know that that was a thing then. This is oh, yeah. a long time ago. So, okay, not that long. But, <laughs> You're not that old. You know, this is, <laughs> no, but this was in the late 90s. Okay. So I was still, you know, doing that sort of thing. I knew people hiked, of course. I, you know, knew people yeah. ran, but I still did not know about ultra running. And it still did not even occur to me. It, it took a little, it took a little longer <laughs> still. <laughs> Nice. So what uh, officially got you into the sport of ultra running then, if it wasn't yeah, for that? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I, um, in college, started swimming as a, one of the ways of exercising, and I was still running, and, you know, I rode a bike, I mountain biked, and so, you know, people pointed out, like, why aren't you racing triathlon? And I was actually thinking, like, I didn't know that, like, normal people who don't know what they're doing do that. So um, finally, I did. So my first um, triathlon was in, like, the early 2000s, and um, I started doing that, and it was awesome. Um, I moved to San Francisco, then I met some people who were doing Ironman, and I, I just was like, wait a second, like people, like normal people, like that I would have dinner with that look like me and act like me are doing these really long events. Like, oh, (laughs) I guess I can too, right? Like I I didn't even, that was the first time it really occurred to me. And so that was about 2006 when we moved there. And so that's like changed everything. And so I met people who were just doing incredible things, including someone who besides doing Ironman was also trail running which was amazing but also ran 100 milers which I was just like I can't believe I'm like sitting and having dinner with a normal person seems so normal that runs 100 miles like I don't even know what you're talking about so anyway that sort of opened my eyes and got me on the path to ultra running that is really neat I love the story of yeah 
kind of hearing how you first uh, first got into it. What was yeah the, the gear yeah. the gear of a triathlon was just getting to be super annoying, and I just saw the trails oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's like shoes <laughs> and a small pack. Like I am so down, and so yeah. uh, that's that's sort of what did it. And so I you know did change for couple like half Ironmans and I was just like I'm done I'm out and so I decided to try and run my first you know marathon ever and I wanted to do it on the trail because that's what I loved yeah. and it was hard to find so I ran my first first 50k as my first long race Which and one? um it was a skyline to the sea it's down oh. um south of San Francisco the great one it looks like mostly downhill so I was like ah no problem you know, of course, my quads were broken at the end, yeah. and I swore I swore I'd throw away my running shoes and never run again for like an hour or two. And then, you know, by uh -huh. two days later, I was like You're on hooked. fire about it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Now, during this time when you first got into ultra running, uh, what were some of your first race experiences my mind's buzzing with questions I, I love <laughs> hearing how you first got into it and in terms of training too like were you just kind of going off your own knowledge and you know or starting to maybe research look into coaching was that much of a thing back then yeah so what was interesting is coaching was really normal in the triathlon scene basically uh -huh. everyone I knew who was training for Ironman in San Francisco at the time, not saying everyone does this, but everyone I knew was using a coach. And as far as the ultra running, no one was. It truly was not a thing. I mean, this is, you know, in 2008, and I'm sure there was ultra coaches. I didn't know about them. And it didn't seem, my peers were not using them. And so I think people were sort of just working together on making plans and people were um, training in groups. I had a really nice group of people. And so we trained together. And so, gosh, I don't even remember. We must've just been group think and just say like, what are you running? What are you running? And just, yeah, not, just and that all together. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, just throwing it at the I, wall, hoping it sticks, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hope, like, okay. hope that something works out. And so, um, so there was definitely some mentors. Um, there was some coaching with a group called Endurables that I ran with in San Francisco, which was amazing. And so there was people putting together plans um, at that point for people. And so I must have just been using that. But then um, I think as I got more serious, then it was a little bit more like, okay, time to like really figure this out. And so I started becoming a little more methodic. Uh, that word's not coming out anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, working, really thinking about how to get training in and using some, um, I did use a training plan for my first hundred miler and that was super game changer. And that sort of set me on a new path of learning. Nice. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. neat. And now, I mean, looking back, you know, you you're certified in like RCA Lydiard, right? So several coaching mm -hmm. certifications. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you sort of cultivate your own love for the sport and um, want to, you know, have that desire to then start your own coaching business? Like, what was the process of yeah. coming up to alter you? Yeah. So there was um, some mentor coaches that I really appreciated their work and how they worked with their athletes and how in, in triathlon and um, 
how they were building training and also using data and things like that. So I was reading a lot of the books recommended by them and just different books, understanding training, using heart rate training and things like that. Uh, just, you know, really for my own training. Um, and then I was in the, the last job I did before I started Ultra U. Honestly, you know, when you're type A, you like love doing your job and doing a good job at your job. And I had a job that I thought was amazing, but I just started getting these feelings of like, oh, uh, like my chair is trying to kill me. And I'm coming to the same office every day. And even though I love this, like it's not great. And also I felt like I was kind of slacking off, to be honest, like people were coming into my office, closing the door and asking me advice on running. And it was happening a lot. And that was the best part of my day. So sort of having those two things, like getting nerdier and nerdier about my own training and having these, um, you know, mentor coaches to look up to. And then also having people ask me just all kinds of things, asking me for coaching plans and running with them. And I started a running group at my work. And so the sort of culmination of that, I realized, you know what, it's time to make a huge change in my life. And so that's when I started getting the certifications and doing the work. And then um, my partner, Brian, and I moved from San Francisco to Portland. So in case it didn't work out, um, we could make less money and not starve to death. <laughs> Which Portland still, <laughs> I mean, is, you know, fairly high cost of living, but I guess. Uh, That's true. But his parents now. live here. Yeah. <laughs> his oh, okay. Lived here. So he had a tie and, here. Um, yeah. We had a tie. He had a job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there were safety nets, but. But yeah, it was a big leap for me yeah. um, to just say, oh. see you to work and, uh -huh. you know, try this really new thing, you know, fully new career. So yeah, wow. it, was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's super neat. And then where did evolution come into the mix? Because for those listening, uh, both Dana and I, as I mentioned in the intro, work at Evolution Healthcare and Fitness, which is a really cool facility. It's got an altitude training room got a fitness facility side and then also practitioners. So everything from acupuncture, massage, uh, physical therapy, chiropractors. It's really cool. Um, so check it out, by the way. But how did you get connected, Dana, with Evolution? Yeah. So one of my athletes actually was going to Brad, who's the owner of Evolution, um, as you know, but for everyone else. Um, so yeah. She was using him as her sports Cairo and she, I don't know. She just was like, you guys need to meet. Um, so I went out to lunch with Brad and he told me about this place that he was making that sounded really amazing. Oh yeah. You and, were there since the beginning. I have to make sure right, I know that. Um, yeah. 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 So I was there. I was there from the beginning. I saw it before it was even fully built. Eric wow. gave me a tour of this gutted out place, which I was like, okay, I don't know, but I'm sure it's going to be great. And it's amazing. So yeah, so I've been there from the start and I started with small classes. What was nice is I was already coaching at the time. I've been coaching for, I'm going to know, maybe four years. I'm trying to remember how long evolution has been open, but anyway, I think it's been about four years. So my, since my business is about eight years old, it's, I've been, you know, operating. So people, um, I was already working with people training. Oh yeah, we so skipped a little I was bit. Able to bring. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a note That's there. Okay. Were you Sorry, training? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was ultra you, did you start that mostly online or kind of a hybrid between in person and online? Yeah. So really it is online. And so uh -huh. ultra you, I'm delivering plans 
for runners, for individuals, over by Training Peaks using the the application Training Peaks, and so uh-huh. runners can be anywhere. That said, most of my runners are in Portland because my business is mostly through word of mouth. And so once I have some Portlanders, then I get more Portlanders because people are telling their friends. So, but I have people in the Midwest and in San Francisco and um, sort of all over. But um, yeah, cool. so I'm yeah. delivering the coaching plans online, but then I still, I was seeing people sort of doing strength training for runners um, in my home gym, which is very small and sort of a strange space for people to come, but it was working out for a while. But then once evolution opened, it was an awesome place to train people. And it just, it was a perfect opportunity. So I've been there ever since it opened. That is super neat. Did you start Mm -hmm. strength training for runners right around when they opened as well? How did that class come to Yep. That's it. So I've, you know, I, my business is super uh, tight in what I do, right? I'm not training people for endurance biking or skiing or even triathlon. I don't coach multi-sport. I just coach running and something that for me, all of the runners that I'm working with who are tend to be, you know, 30 plus, you know, mostly even older, um, and trail runners, every, they all need strength training, and it just wasn't really happening. So that's when I started that. So strength training for runners has been on the schedule at Evolution since they opened. And so um, it's been going on for years, yeah. and some of the people in the class have been taking it for all those years. It's really cool. Wow. Yeah, it's a really neat group. Um, I've had the honor to substitute for you a little bit, and your participants are really awesome. They're super loyal to to Dana, and they rave about you. Uh, I think it's a really cool community, too, that you've cultivated. Like, they seem to be very supportive. It's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's a bunch of non-gym people, right? Runners, in general are not gym people, but trail runners, man, for sure, not gym people. So it's, Uh I mean, talk about an honor. It really is an honor that they put their training in my hands and come inside once a, once a week to train with me, um, there. Um, and what's cool is that, you know, by calling it strength training for runners, it's pretty obvious what it is. And so Mm -hmm. there's of course the biker here and there, but generally it's a bunch of runners and so everyone sort of speaks the same language and can talk about races and get excited with each other and that just that helps the community building too so it's really it is neat the classes are small it's capped at 10 and so you know they're never very Mm -hmm. huge and so um it's really it's pretty fun yeah so maybe for someone listening that's a runner and hasn't found that class yet or hasn't really started strength training um, why is it so essential? I mean, you're preaching to the choir, probably, at least talking to me, but why do you think, what are some of the fundamental reasons behind it? And, um, you know, what is, maybe you could give an example of like either one of your athletes or you personally, the effect it's had on both your running and, um, and anything else, you know, adding that strength. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, just talking from a non-running perspective, sort of after the age of 30, the research is pretty clear. Like there's strength losses of like 3% per decade. So you're just losing strength as you get older. So the people I, the demographic I work with tends to be older, right? The people who are doing races or getting coaching tend to have, uh-huh. you know, 
disposable income. So it's probably not someone who's 22, right? Um, so anyway, I have sort of this older crowd. And once you're, you know, getting above 30, you're, you're losing muscle even when you're running. And that's not optimal for your life, but definitely not for getting up steep hills in a trail run or for when you're at mile 60 of a long run. So the, the strength training is super important just for life, not losing muscle and being strong in your life. So that there's that argument that's just like, to me, no brainer. I think the other thing is that a lot of people think like, I run, so I'm strong. And wow, that's so, it's just not the case. I mean, if you think of like, who are some really amazing running heroes, they're probably the skinniest people you can think of, right? They're not someone you'd think of to ask you to help move a refrigerator, right? So it's not, running doesn't make you strong, right? It's helping you run faster and there's a lot of health benefits, but you're not getting that strength. And so, um, so I think, you know, people get confused, like I work out a lot and being strong. So there's that, but the, for trail running, I think that having a lot of strength for getting, you know, we're taking big awkward steps over roots and rocks, right? Yeah. Going up some hills that are super steep, a thousand feet per mile. I mean, that's like barely anyone's able to run that. That is a hike up. You need strong glutes, calves. Um, but also for holding your body up for 50 miles, you know, that could take anywhere between eight and 16 hours, depending on the course. You need to have serious core strength for that. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to keep going because the podcast will get really boring, but there's so many reasons. I mean, I think those are, those should be enough to convince your listeners. Yeah. Okay, let's well, get to it. Yeah. And um, even if you are a young <laughs> road runner, like you're 20 and you run roads, you still need strength training, right? Like, regardless. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, like, I have people come to class, new to class, and, uh -huh. you know, they're like, oh, I'm a runner. You know, I run, they might be really fast to great marathon times, you know, and can barely stand on one foot or can yeah. barely squat. You know, I'm trying to get everyone, I have some standards for weight for what we're trying to get to in my class, right? One of those is goblet squats at a third of your body weight or more. You know, some people, it's hard to just do one good squat without any weight. So we want to be a good athlete, right? Being a better athlete is going to help you be a better runner. And so those are um, some things just to, to think about, like, you know, running is on, it's completely a single leg activity, but if you can't stand on one leg for a minute, you know, or do single leg squat and touch your toe, like there, you might want to think about like, is this going to be sustainable? Is this going to lead to injury? Absolutely. Yeah. Now is um, strength something that you implement with most of your athletes or that you sort of like try and, you know, integrate into their running program in some way, even if they're not um, local to Portland? So if you train with me, you must do strength training. So if you Ooh. do not want to do strength training, then you are not one of my athletes. So there's athletes doing this in so many different ways. So some of my athletes go to CrossFit, which I know some people might be like, oh, that's like the anti-running. Um, there's lots of different CrossFits out there in the world. And so, um, you know, the ones that they're going to um, work for them and work for me. Um, some athletes are working out with a personal trainer. That's 
you know, kind of rare. It's expensive to both have a coach and a personal trainer. Um, some come to strength training for runners. If you're lucky enough to be in Portland and be able to come to the class when it's offered. Um, but some are doing more home workouts. So they are using an app um, called Nike Training Club. I have athletes using the Nike Training Club app. It's free. It's super easy to use. And they've got some great workouts for runners. Um, and if they have weights at home, they use those. Um, some athletes are going to bar. Now, bar is definitely, I put that in a um, corrective <laughs> exercise category uh -huh. versus like a strength training category. Yeah. But athletes, I want to meet athletes where they are and what their needs are. And so for some athletes, you know, more corrective exercises for certain stages of training are better and then leading up to heavy weights later or um, depending on their histories and what is they know is working for them. So I have athletes doing all different things. Yeah. As far as strength. Good variety. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like finding yeah. what works for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has to because yeah. also, you know, most of the tra most trail runners don't love it. And I get it. So you, it has to, if you're not doing it, it's what's the point. So, um, so it has to be something someone will do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then when you're kind of working on the athlete side of things, how do you go about mapping out a plan for their season? Like if someone comes to you and they've only yeah. run, not only, I shouldn't say that, but just, you know, they've <laughs> run like the local 5k and then they say, Hey Dana, I want to do a 50k or a hundred miles. Mm -hmm. How do you sort of build up from there? And maybe what are some of the most uh, common misconceptions and how do you work around those? Yeah, so I just always am meeting athletes where they are. So a lot of times that comes in sort of one of two places. So athletes are either working, um, working out on their own and often running too hard. So athletes are... Um, doing a lot of their runs in this sort of gray zone where it's too fast to be aerobic, but too slow to be speed work. And they're doing that all the time. They get injured a lot. A profile of a runner like this would be someone who, you know, has run five marathons all at the exact same pace. Um, so, so that's one kind of runner. And so when I see that, then um, I know, okay, so probably what we need to do is work on slowing this person down which is really an interesting thing because as a coach, people think like, oh, I'm hiring this coach. I'm going to get my butt kicked. And then I'm like, don't go running too fast now. You know, so that is <laughs> yeah. an interesting one, but it happens quite a bit. The other uh -huh. case is often runners who've been, you know, plodding along running at a sort of aerobic pace for a really long time. They don't have a coach. They just go for runs. It feels good. It's nice. And they have never done any sort of drill work or speed work or tempo or any kind of anything different than just going for sort of chill runs. And so with them working on getting past that aerobic place and uh, into a place where they can work on their running form, work on speed, and um, we can build from there. So those are really fun because then they, they feel like, oh, I hired the coach to kick my butt and she is. So mm. that one's always an easier sell, but it's way yeah. more common for me to have to slow people down when we first start working together. Definitely. Um, yeah. Trying to avoid I don't feel the gray like zone. I answered the right. question. Oh, you <laughs> yes, did? Yes. Yeah. Huge one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many weeks in advance do you think is a good amount of time for someone to have a goal in mind typically? I mean, do you program yeah. on sort of a, like a 16 week or plus schedule? So it's, 
definitely depends. So I have some athletes who I've worked with for a couple of years now. And after a big goal race, they might take off one to three months and come back to me with a certain amount of time before a race. Maybe it's only three months, but they come back in shape to run 20 miles easy, right? So we have an understanding of what happens in that off season, not off season. It's definitely not off season if they're running 20 miles, but you know, like being off of yeah. coaching, they know what they're doing and they can come back. So it might be appropriate that they come back for the three months before a 50K, but, you know, seven months before a hundred miler. Now, someone who's starting from, you know, I've run a half marathon. Now I want to run 50 miles. Three months would not, would certainly not be enough for me. And I'd want as much time as, of course, as they could give. So I've had, you know, athletes approach me like I wouldn't have run a hundred miles before I'm 50, I'm 48. You know, we've got two years, let's make a plan for what that might look like. And we do that. Um, and then I definitely have the people who are like in four months, I signed up for this 50 K it's in four months. I'm panicking, you know, I'm at running 10 miles right now, but I don't know what to do. Help me out. And, and that works out too. So it's really dependent on the person. Obviously the more time we can get, the more cycles we can get through um, training cycles, you know, having aerobic training cycle and having a race specific training cycle and potentially some speed development. But, you know, I can't always um, make that happen. And so I try and work with people where they are, but I definitely will say, you know, no, I don't, I don't have enough time to get you ready for, you know, this goal or whatever, as I don't like to set people up to fail. But yeah, yeah, definitely. So you keep it kind of reality, you know, keeping reality in mind. And yeah, and everyone's so different. And yeah. um, just what they're, where, where they're going and where they're coming from, right? So where I might take on someone to run 50 miles in four months, I might not take on a, another person in just four months, because it might not be enough for them from what I've gotten from their background or where they are presently. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you know, I might have asked you this months ago, but I was curious, is Ultra U then like your your baby, your full-time kind of, you know? It is. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So it is. It's, it's truly outstanding. I am just the luckiest. I get to, my job is to work with people and trying to help them, like, take the burden off of figuring out their training. And so giving them the pleasure of just having the, here's what I do today. Here's what I do tomorrow. Here's what I do next day, getting feedback on that and adjusting. Um, and it's such a pleasure to take the front seat to someone's, you know, best days of accomplishing amazing things. Um, so yeah, I'm just super, super lucky. Yeah. That's super cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. And you're also yeah. a very supportive coach. Like I've seen you volunteer at quite a few races in the community and crew for athletes. Um, what's that experience yeah. like? Cause a lot of our listeners, you know, um, we have some trail and ultra runners, but a lot of them are coming mm-hmm. from college and maybe not so familiar with what crewing actually is or what it entails. Oh yeah. yeah. So let's talk about volunteering first. Cause I think it's super important yeah. and it really change things for me so just a quick like I was started ultra running and I just thought you know I wonder if I could run farther like maybe running 100 miles even like just sort of entertaining the kernel of that idea so I volunteered at an aid station at mile 80 at western states 100 and so I remember being there and 
thinking at the time, like, no one is happy here. Like none of the runners coming here are happy. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to do that because we're like running is so joyous for me. Like I'm Uh never doing that. That's crazy. So then luckily I volunteered again at a different hundred miler again at like mile 80. And there was so much joy and it really turned things around for me, but it taught me so much before I had even gone to my own race. And so it was just really so cool to see people eating and people drinking and how they were holding all their stuff in their packs and how they organize themselves at aid stations. It really taught me a lot before I had the chance to make any mistakes. I I learned a lot. So volunteering is awesome. And for people um, sort of anywhere, if you're thinking about it for trail races, it's really easy because ultra sign up um, where all the races are listed, where most of the races are listed, I should say, also allows you to volunteer at those same races. So Ultra Sign Up has a way to, um, you just find the race that's interesting, you hit volunteer, and then you can see what options are open for you. And volunteering at an ultra is awesome. It might take you the whole weekend of, you know, a shift of, you know, just 12 hours or so, but it, it really will teach you a lot. So, so that's yeah. really cool. Um, so we, I started talking about races, but then, oh, you asked me about crewing. So oh, crewing is cool. Yeah. The, uh-huh. the ultra community is just so amazing. It's just a amazing thing to be around and that sense of accomplishment that you see within yourself if you do it and just among others it's so it's such a nice thing to be around but let's be honest like how many ultras can you run in a year I know there's people doing so many but you know not for me so being able to be at an ultra supporting your friends is just so cool because it's like being part of the race um, but you don't have to do all the work. So um, it's super rewarding. So I've been um, part of both friends and athletes. I mean, you know, that's a blurry line anyway, but I've been part of crews for 50 milers, 100 Ks and uh, 100 milers. And it's so, it's just about as rewarding as you could get. So um, when I've asked friends to crew for me, I'm like, you guys, let's go away for the weekend three nights away, but only two nights of lodging one night, you definitely won't sleep and you have to run probably a marathon with me and you'll get no credit for it. What do you think? Um, and people go for it. Right. And so there's just something about this insane adventure of it. Right. When you have someone running a hundred miles and you get to, you know, run, you maybe, you know, I've run 26 miles through the night with friends. I mean, that's just ridiculous and fun. Um, so it's it just you feel so lucky to be able to do that and see them push themselves and come out of dark places and just get to this goal and be just a little part of that and again have that front seat I mean this is truly a front seat when you're growing so much to it It's, it's just a really fun way to be part of a race especially when you, you know, if you're thinking, you know, I'm never going to run a hundred miles, which I've had people crew for me who they are, they're never going to run a hundred miles. It's not interesting to them, but they love that they can be part of the event and even run a little bit part of it. And it, you know, it's really, it makes it feel more than just a selfish I'm running for me. It just feels like a real team thing and it changes the sport. So um, it's, it's just a really fun part of ultra running that's, unique and makes it really special. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my questions was going to be what keeps you coming back to ultra running, but it sounds like the community is really a key driver for that. Yeah. And the snacks. I mean, I love <laughs> sports the their snacks, <laughs> yeah. right? Snacks are so good. Like, yeah. you know, someone once asked me if I did a sport, I don't even remember. It was some kind of adrenaline sport. And I was just thinking, no, if there's no snacks, I'm not there. 
right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you do not need a snack if you're jumping out of an airplane. Tell right? us like, what, you're, you're good. Uh, what are your favorite snacks <laughs> while running a hundred miles? <laughs> okay. Um, well, two things that I've never once gotten sick of ever and please knock on everything available because it's always good to have those foods. Mm -hmm. Um, Oreos and um, Swedish fish. Oh. Now, of course, I, I eat healthier things too, but while I'm running, there's a lot of junk food consumed, but those two things are like, not just go-to, but like the things where when everything else is like, ew, that's disgusting, that might still sound good. So for people listening who sort of don't really have a picture, I like to describe it like, so running 100 miles, so imagine if you if someone said you're gonna you have to eat something every 30 minutes for the next 27 hours so wow. now pick whatever food you have in mind right you're gonna eat them every yeah. 30 minutes and I guarantee you whatever delicious thing you thought of at you know hour six or maybe 10 if you're lucky maybe 14 it's going to be disgusting <laughs> oh. you know and yeah. so when you think about it that way it's like oh yeah you really want to have some things and they might be really gross Pringles yeah. or, you know, things that just aren't really healthy in normal life. And, you know, I would not ever sit down and eat an Oreo, um, but in a race, oh, please hand them over. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, right now I use a lot of spring energy, um, that is way healthier option, but you know, in between those, I might eat a rice crispy treat too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and Oreos have gotten so diverse. Like there's carrot cake Oreos now and I love carrot cake and my coworkers have bought you tried me a one? whole thing. Oh yeah. And I'm addicted. They're amazing. Yeah. They are really good. So do they uh, taste more like an Oreo or more like a carrot cake? More like a carrot cake, but they're in Oreo form. It's, they're so That's good. Weird, to but kind of amazing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta try them out. Um, yeah. Well, great. I, yeah, I always, um, my friends at least that do more ultras joke that it's more of an eating contest than anything else you mm -hmm. know, at that point. Like, yes. yeah. Figuring it's out so your body true. and what it's you can so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the biggest reason for DNS are stomach issues. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, absolutely an eating contest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, coming back a little bit, I meant to ask this earlier uh, about strength and injury prevention. I wanted to mm -hmm. know what a few of your personal favorites are. If you have any go-to exercises for runners or maybe like circuits that you really enjoy in particular. Yeah. So I guess if we're talking about for me personally or giving to my athletes? Giving to your athletes, but a little bit of you personally, mm -hmm. what your favorites are. Sure. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple things. One is mini bands. So the like perform better or any other brand, you know, the kind that are, you know, oh, go yeah. around your ankle that you could mm -hmm. do like marches or whatever. Um, that is, you know, $3 or, you know, maybe $10 for a pack of five. It's about the cheapest thing. It doesn't take up any space. There's zero excuse for people uh, not to have one. And so just those kind of uh, exercises we're working on uh, lateral movement. So moving side to side, something we can be weakened because since we're always moving forward and then glute activation. So mini bands is one. The other thing is warm up. Um, I think a lot of people 
run out the door, it's super easy to think, I don't have much time and I'm just going to run out the door. Um, but if you think about it, if you spent five minutes doing, you know, some targeted warm ups with like some lunges and leg swings and mobility work, you know, if you did that five times a week, it's 25 minutes of some strength work. So little things like that add up. It also is better to go out with um, warmed up. And then the other, the third thing, of course, is hitting some heavy weights. I mean, just lifting heavy things is what makes strength change. And it is not what makes you big, I promise. It is what makes you strong. And so, you know, with heavy weights, it's sort of three things that I try and focus on in my classes, which are squats, deadlifts, and heavy carries. So farmer carries and offset carries and waiter carries and all sorts of things that are getting our body really strong. Um, in both the squatting, hinging, and yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's it. So get the mini bands, do your warm ups, and hit the heavy weights. Mini bands, warm ups, and heavy weights. Got it. And those three fundamental lifts are really key, too. I always think it's interesting how much grip strength correlates to a lot of like um, health in general. So, that's kind of a fun fact. Is, people who have better grip strength generally are healthier, right? That is really not good news for runners because we have, <laughs> I always say we have these delicate runner hands. That's our joke in <laughs> strength training for runners class. We have delicate runner hands or email hands, right? And so it's really um, easy to uh, top out on lifts for runners when we don't have good strength, especially, especially like farmer carries and things, trying to get up, you know, I'm trying to get people up to their body weight and farmer carries, and that can be really hard on hands. So luckily, everyone's practicing that. But yeah, it's definitely most runners, I think, would have a really hard time with. And so if you think about that, right, it's just because you're running doesn't mean you're healthy or strong, right? Yeah. You might be fit for running, but um, not in that marker of longevity or, well, or fitness. So okay, I take yeah, I did. I looked the study up. I'm nerding out on this uh -huh. episode um, okay. about grip strength. So I guess grip strength. Each 11 pound increase in grip strength over the course of the study correlates to a um, a certain percentage increase in cardiovascular health. So I think runners, what? you're covered there. <laughs> you know, with cardiovascular. So. Yeah, I wonder if that would hold up in really well-trained, in a well-trained endurance athlete. I don't know about that. That would be really interesting. This is like a Harvard study that was done pretty recently. There's several studies, on athletes, actually. On sedentary people, on who were the, what was the subject? You I'll know? provide a little more uh, information <laughs> in the show notes, and we'll follow up on it. So... Yeah, right. I'll have to figure out the study and send it over to you. There's a couple of them. Yeah. So it'd be kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That is not something I've looked into. Oh, some of but these are aging I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to send it over to you. I'll send you the findings for sure and link them in show notes. Sounds good. So for those who like research, uh, get ready. Yeah. We'll have yeah, show notes. Yeah, unite. Right. Um, so... <laughs> Other than grip strength, uh, what's currently getting you excited about life right now and your year ahead? Like 2020, you know, January is almost done. What's getting you pumped up? Any races upcoming? Well, yeah. So, okay. So first I have to say this with Ultra U, this is such a fun time of year just for my business because um, the lowest 
time for me is sort of November, December, and January when I generally have less athletes and it's a good time for me to do continuing ed and sort of do my own fitness things. But then it's like, it's like flowers blooming. And this time of year, I'm starting lots of new athletes. And it's so fun because I get to live vicariously through all these people coming to me saying, I'm doing this race and I'm doing this race and I want you to help me for these races. And it's like, it's almost like I get a little chance to do them, even though I'm not going to many of them. And so um, what's exciting me now is just all the new athletes with just so much hope and excitement and motivation. And it's just hard not to feel all those things myself when I have, when I'm surrounded by that. So that's really amazing just as professionally, but personally, yeah, I'm, so pumped right now. I have so many good goals for this year. I am just like over the top. So one of the things that for me is the super motivating is fear gear. And I, you know, Ooh. fear gear is like you sign up for something and it just terrifies you and you will not miss one workout. You will not miss it for anything because you do not want to get to the start and just feel like, Oh, I could have done more. So in, um, in March, I will be skiing across Finland um, with an organized group called um, in this sort of event called Border to Border. So it's seven days and 250 miles of classic cross-country skiing, which is more miles wow. than I've ever done on my feet in a week. Uh, so that will be amazing. And um, I'm sort of learning ski technique and trying to get better at skiing. And when I signed up for this, I'd never been farther than 13 miles on cross-country skis. So it's really uh, just so fun being an amateur. Um, I don't ever, you know, I'll never, ever get to be a new runner again. Even if I took 20 years off, I still have all the knowledge, right? But I get to be a new skier and it is so fun because it also is just exciting to think about gear and, you know, what do I use and finding out who are the people I can go to for questions. But it, it also helps me remember what it's like when my athletes come to me and they're like, I think I have a dumb question, but you know, and what it, that feels like. So anyway, it's just cool on so many levels and it's been really fun to go skiing on long skis. And so I'm doing that. And then the other event I have this year, I signed up for uh, Transalpine, which is a running wow. race. Um, it, in Europe, it's a partner yeah. race. It's about 160 miles in eight days with 60,000 feet Amazing. of vert. Not that I'm scared at all. No, you got it. Who's um, your partner? <laughs> <laughs> so my partner is Heather McGrath. She is someone I've traveled with a lot. And her and I biked across Jordan last year. So we are proven travel partners. And uh, it should be a uh, good fun. So that's at the end of August. So once I finish my ski, then it's time to start getting some serious vert on my legs and lots of, lots of hill running. Wow. Those are some big ones. Yeah. That is super yeah. exciting. We're going to be keeping up with those for sure. Um, at strong runner chicks and I'm going to be asking you questions. I'm excited to, yeah, to, for your year. It's, really awesome. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It's really fun training for stage races and I'm getting more athletes that are interested and it's just a really fun way to spend a, a week or however long it is, especially when you love doing what we do. And so um, I, I just, I've taken to that sort of format. So I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Um, we just have yeah. a couple more questions kind of as we wrap okay. up. One is looking back um, 
And this could kind of be just maybe when you first got started running, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, that is, that's an interesting one because I guess I'm thinking about like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool if I found sport earlier, right? Like what would my right. life be like? Mm. But I think about it, if I found it earlier, what if I got burned out on it and I didn't find it as an adult and have it to love so much? So part of me wants to say, you know, my advice to my younger self is like, try all these sports and like have that be an avenue for adventure in your life and for finding meaning and confidence and all those things. But, you know, that makes me also a little worried, like what if it backfired and now I'm, you know, do some kind of, would be really happy with some desk job or, you know, I, I don't know. So um, it, w it would have been cool. And maybe the advice would just be, you know, I think I, I didn't have people pushing me into sports and maybe just saying like, it is something that's open to you, right? It's just, it never occurred to me. And so having that advice of being like, it is, it's for you as well as everyone else. So yeah. um, that, that would have been cool. Definitely. Yeah. And I think you're doing that now, you know, just lowering the barrier to entry, making, you know, making running fun and strength training fun is a big thing. I hope so. Yeah. And I hope people can see too, like you can come to things late in life. Like I wasn't a college runner. Or, yeah. You know, I, I came to this really late and I saw an opportunity where I could be okay at something, right? And I thought, well, I'll try this. And it just opened every door. So um, hopefully I can model that for people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, final question we have is what does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Yeah, I guess being strong runner to me is more than just a physical piece. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the strong running for me is about being able to make confident decisions and trying hard things. So I think when I think of myself as a strong runner, it's not like, cause I'm, particularly fast or go on hard routes or whatever, but I'm willing to try things. I have the confidence to say like, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's go there and not let the world say, you know, not to, or, you know, be scared of that. And I, you know, I, I see people with a lot of fear or doubt or lack of confidence that keeps them sort of in, uh, inside. And I um, feel like, being a strong runner, to me, it has this, all these other life implications, and that is, um, that is really cool. Oh, yeah. I love it. That definitely uh, resonated, and I think from, you know, what you did to, to leave that corporate job back in the, back in those days of, you know, I, it probably feels far off to you now, but just the fact that you started Ultra U, and now you're really living out your passion day to day and taking those chances in 2020 even you've got so many exciting things coming up and the year of fear I think is really cool in that way too so the fear gear the fear, fear gear, gear is the motivator fear yeah. gear is what I say it's like put it into fear gear oh. I don't know if that's like after fear gear. fifth gear or sixth gear it's fear gear it's like your go gear that's cool yeah yeah, I'm but I like it. fear year. <laughs> that That's too. a good one too. Like you could say like, year. this is my fear year. My fear year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have no fear year. It should be That's every right. year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. It renews every year. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So any final shout outs or words of wisdom you wanted to share, you know, inspirational quote, mantra, et cetera, anything? Um, no, my mantras are always sort of weird and in the moment seem really great, but probably don't really make much <laughs> sense, you know, but, um, no, I just thank you so much for doing what you do and sharing all different perspectives on running. And I hope that if someone hears this and they're interested in just sort of any running thing that I talked about, that feel free to get in touch. You can, there's a contact form on my website. You could get a touch there. If you live in Portland, come to Evolution, stop by, talk to us. Um, But yeah, I think sort of the the biggest thing that I want to um, leave with is just like, just say yes, do the thing, right? If you're thinking about it and you can't stop thinking about it, do it. Um, It's it's so cool, the, the things that we can do in this world right now. So hopefully people are inspired to go do it whatever it is. Absolutely. Yes. And the best way to connect with you, um, do you want to share out your, your Instagram handle or your website? Sure. So my website is www.ultrayoufitness.com. And then I'm on Instagram at ultrayoucoach. So that's the best way to follow me and find me, um, or Wednesday nights at Evolution Healthcare and Fitness. Yeah. Five and 6 PM, but not next week you'll be uh, teaching for me. Well, Thank you. Yeah. By the time this episode releases, uh, you'll be back, I'm sure, to your regular. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, thank yeah. you. Well, thank you so much for being on, Dana. It was a pleasure. Um, thanks again, Strong Runner Chicks, for tuning into another episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave a review in iTunes. And if you were in Portland, come by Evolution Health and Fitness. And Dana, we're actually, we're going to be joining up on a workshop in February. At the time we're going to release this episode, we will, we'll release it in advance. So contact me or Dana if you're interested in learning more. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.